Researchers at University of Idaho Extension recently took a look at gender bias in agriculture. What does it look like? Why is it there? And what can be done to address the issue? Joining us on the PNW Ag Network Hotline is the U of I's Colette DePhelps. And Colette, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Uh, before we get into the results of your research, what was the inspiration? What made you want to look at the issue of gender bias in farming? We wanted to look at it because we understood from the census of agriculture that women farms were not performing financially as well as farms operated by a man. And we are wondering why that is. There's a lot of qualitative data in the literature and studies that have been performed that talk about women's access to land and resources based on interview and focus group data and case studies, but there wasn't quantitative data to kind of really understand what's going on based on the information that we can get from the Census of Agriculture. So talk to me about how this research was conducted, and secondly, what were some of the results that your research determined? So we have an amazing research team that is a combination of ag economists and sociologists from University of Idaho. And this happened during the pandemic, this research. And during that time, they were able to access the census of ag data. Originally, we had also hoped to be able to access additional data from USDA, but that was limited. So looking at the census of ag data, our research team was able to compare the income of male-owned farms and women-owned farms and understanding the inequities in that income. So really the gender gap we're seeing on net farm income is 151% difference. So for every dollar a woman makes on a woman-owned farm, a man makes 250 on a male-owned farm which means that farm operations are one of the most gender unequal occupations in the U.S. And so understanding why that is kind of delves into some historical issues related to women in agriculture. So there's been some structural issues and also cultural issues around agriculture where you know, women have had historically less access to land and resources. And when we look at the data in the census, that holds true. So accounting for this gap in income, when you take it down and summarize it, these inequities are really based in holdings of land and buildings. So about 40% of that income gap is a difference in holdings of land and buildings where men hold more land and more buildings. And then looking at machinery and equipment is about another 40%. Again, men having more machinery and equipment. And then there's a very small percent, about 6%, that is related to women having less farming experience. Now, Colette, I, I'm curious, did your research look at just uh, women who were owners of the farms, or did they look at women who were managers of farms, whether manager of day-to-day -day operations or manager of the finances? So this was comparing not ownership, but primary producers. So the people that were making the most decisions 
and had the most responsibility in the farm. So that was comparing farms operated by men who a male, based on the information that is provided in the census, was identified as the lead operator of the farm compared to farms where a woman was the lead operator of the farm. Did this research just focus on the state of Idaho? Did you focus on Western states or the U.S. as a whole? So the data I just shared about this gender gap in terms of farm income, that's looking across the nation. So we do have other components of our research that are specifically looking at Idaho. Typically, research just tells you what is out there. Um, did you look at any possible ways to lower the the pay gap disparity or ways to get more and more women either as farm owners or interested in farm ownership? Well, when we know what the problem is, that um, farm essentially when we know that farms that have additional land and have more infrastructure like buildings, machinery, and equipment tend to be more profitable, and that farmers that have more farming experience tend to be more profitable, then we can identify where we should put our energy as extension educators in terms of our programming. So for instance, for my programming, I'm really looking at how do we elevate women in farm succession processes? How do we support more women being the the primary farmer who land and equipment is transferred to? And that comes down to really looking at how do we kind of change the face of agriculture? Because historically, farmers have been identified as male and women have been identified as farm helpers. That's really how we have kind of talked about agriculture in the United States. That's how we pictured agriculture. When we think about a farmer, we often think about a male in a baseball cap or farm hat. Um, and actually, farming is way more diverse than that. So we need to be talking about agriculture in terms of the true face of farming and then making sure in our programming we're creating more equal access. So thinking about nationally, women make up 36% of all farmers, and 55% of farms have at least one female producer. And about 20% of farmers are women lead operators. So we really need to be focusing in our agricultural programming on making sure that we're showing women as leadership and as farmers. And then with that, focusing our programming on really building the aspects, what I see as the business, and focusing on how can we help women access more capital? How can we help them access more land? How can we help them access more USDA programs that support farmers? So, Colette, before I let you go, did your research look at all what sort of impact Childcare, providing childcare may have on women who want to be producers or looking at becoming producers? You know, women generally are the primary providers of childcare and even elder care within the farm family. And as educators, we need to be mindful of how childcare can impact access to attend programming. 
whether that's in-person or virtual. And the times we schedule programming, the opportunities we have for youth programming to be offered at the same time that allows more women to attend, or even thinking about scheduling programming um, when people are not taking kids to school or getting them from the bus or uh, making meals. So really thinking about timing and then how can we create an environment that allows for people who have limitations due to childcare to be able to participate. Claude DePhelps with University of Idaho Extension. Thanks so much for joining us right here on the PNW Ag Network.